Oregon football's great win against BYU was just that, a great win, well-rounded on both sides of the ball. What did it look like for BYU fans? We'll find out today. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thanks for making this your first listener, your first view of the day for watching on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network and number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. Like, comment, and subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching this show. The subscription numbers on YouTube look awesome, by the way. Thank you for all of the support. And a thank you to Jake Hatch for joining me again here on the show. Host of Locked On BYU Cougars. We had the crossover last week. Appreciate you coming by, Jake. And, you know, it uh, it can be tough. What We Oregon fans have, have, have been in your position you know, we got Utah twice last year, and you uh-huh. got to be able to come on and talk about it. There's you, you don't get the hide from it. So props to you for for coming back on and on a day where I, I assume you and Cougar fans are trying to to move forward a little bit. Hey, it, I'm happy to be on with you, but you're right. That was a thorough butt whooping, I guess is the easiest way to put it uh, if you're from the BYU perspective. But all I got to say for Oregon is quack, quack, quack. Way to go, Ducks. I think that alone might be enough for the show. That's going to do it for Locked On Docs today. Um, I think uh, my the contract we've signed with Locked On says the episodes have to be longer, so we will uh, keep it going. But, uh, Jake, this game was you know, kind of controlled from Oregon from the start and then kind of rapidly got into comfortable win and, and then blowout territory to the point where Ty Thompson got into the game, which I was not – expecting and then Bonex had to come back into the game because apparently that's just what Oregon football does now that's entirely different conversation but as you were watching the game what was most impressive to you about Oregon in this win I gotta say Bo Nix that was the thing that was most impressive to me he showed about as well as I've seen him play and he had his ups and his downs during his time at Auburn he's even had his ups and his downs during his time at Oregon as short as that time has been so far but he was at the peak of his powers he made life absolutely miserable for BYU's defense three rushing touchdowns the two passing touchdowns he was unstoppable in that game and at BYU fans there's been a whole lot of consternation about the fact they were unable to slow down this dude and I think there's some BYU fans who are saying okay is that the Bo Nix that I knew at Auburn sure didn't look like it yeah he had 12 completions in the game for over 200 yards couple touchdowns ran for a couple it really was a ground oriented approach for Oregon offensively because they were running the ball with a great success but you know continuing on Bo Nix for a moment what I liked most about what he did is made smart plays didn't turn the ball over took shots down the field, converted those shots. That's what was missing from Oregon's offense most consistently a season ago. I mean, a big 50-yard pass to Troy Franklin to set up a, an easy touchdown. That's just what – that's that wasn't there. It was not there a year ago. Maybe there were some personnel shortages, and Troy Franklin seems to be making a, a sophomore leap, but that's what I like most about what Bo Nix showed is he was taking shots and he was spreading the ball around, not locking on to to one particular guy. That was a concern I, I remember you having going in was the the safeties for BYU. You felt pretty solid about the corners and that play to Troy Franklin in particular. 
just a heck of a football play. It's a well-run route. It's not bad coverage. I mean, he's there with a chance to make a play on it. And, you know, he just didn't have any safety help when he was maybe anticipating it. Do you think it was more what Oregon did or what BYU did not do that allowed Bo Nix to be successful? I think Oregon's play play design, their overall offensive just scheme in this game was brilliant. BYU, they said it in media availability on, on Monday, saying that what we kind of saw on film was not what we saw when we actually got on the field against Oregon, and credit to them. That's what the coaches were saying from BYU. So, yeah, it was very impressive. The Troy Franklin thing, uh, the coverage was phenomenal. And Jacob Robinson, the guy who was in coverage on that play, he's probably BYU's – he's a backup right now. Caleb Hayes, who is their starter in that in the position that he would have been in playing on that play, uh, he got injured early on in this one. But Jacob Robinson was right there in position to make a play on it. But sometimes the throw and the catch just outdo any coverage out there. So, yeah, Oregon – I got nothing but praise for how uh, Kenny Dillingham went about designing this offensive scheme for this matchup. They they punched BYU in the mouth, and BYU was unable to respond, really. One thing Oregon did well in this game was, was run the ball offensively, over 200 rushing yards, and Bucky mm-hmm. Irving was seemingly impossible to, to tackle. And uh, look, I, I loved his elusiveness. I loved his balance and the physicality and speed that – that he showed he looks like Oregon's best running back so far of many talented ones that they've got in, in that room. Was that an aberration for, for BYU defensively from what they'd shown in their previous couple of games, because they, they held Baylor to a very small rushing number on, on a yards per carry basis. I'm pretty sure it was under three yards per, uh, per carry for their running backs uh, the week prior was tackling an issue that just kind of, you know, finally reared, reared its head and came to fruition? Or was that something that, that Bucky Irving and the other running backs were, were just kind of making happen? Well, the, the backs were slippery there. There's no doubt about that. They were very good with their lateral movement in that, but BYU, their, their tackling was straight up atrocious. They going into the game, ESPN had attracted through the first two games of the season. BYU's defense had missed a grand total of two tackles. Spencer going into that game, the very first drive for Oregon on that game, my amateur, I, I was just kind of tracking it. I saw five missed tackles on the opening drive for the following drive. They, they, they tackled horrendously speaking of BYU in this matchup. It was actually more of what we saw towards the tail end of 2021 last year for BYU when their defense essentially fell off a, a cliff. They were doing what they did a lot of the time at the tail end of last season versus the two for the first two games this year where they looked very buttoned up. You're right. They held Baylor to 2.9 yards per carry on average. Oregon doubled that, if not more than that. And had Oregon decided to keep the foot on the gas and not put Ty Thompson and, and some of the backups into this game, they probably could have rushed for 300 yards in this game. BYU just seemed all out of sorts defensively. And it really started with their tackling. It was, they were just diving at ankles and taking bad angles. It was, it was, it was a pathetic display of tackling. Let's put it that way from the Cougars. Yeah, and one thing that that certainly helped Oregon in in this sense, and you know, I'm sure BYU would have uh, would like to think that the game would have been closer had, had these guys played. But you're missing two uh, two defensive linemen, and Oregon uh, took advantage of that to to their credit. But how much of a difference? do you think those two would have made, you know, should Oregon fans feel like this will be another dominant year running the football, or is there at least a little bit of context there with, uh, you know, being a little, a little thin on the defensive front? 
Now, the two guys who are out, uh, Tyler Batty and uh, Earl Tuioti Mariner, they're both starters for BYU's defensive line. So they, they are starting caliber guys for BYU's defensive line. But the thing is, I will also say is that in the game against Baylor, I saw at least 10 defensive linemen playing that game against Baylor. And like I said, they held the Bears to 2.9 yards per carry. Baylor is considered to be one of the top running teams with an offensive line similar to Oregon. So, uh, I, okay. You take 10 minus two, there's still eight guys who played in that game against Baylor. Why in the world were they unable to hold up like they did against Baylor? It doesn't compute in my brain. There is, it's one of those mysteries of college football. Sometimes week to week, your performances do not replicate. And yeah, very evident on film that BYU's defensive output and their effort in this game against Oregon was night and day different from what we saw a week prior against Baylor. Yeah, and college sports in general are just like that. My buddy and I have an ongoing joke in college basketball of when is each team going to have their seven-minute scoreless drought in the game? It's just there. That's the thing. These these are still young men who are they're not they're not paid professionals like the NFL. The NFL you can kind of count on it's like clockwork in many ways with the NFL. College football still it has it has ebbs and flows up and down for all these different programs. But yeah, I, I I'd like to say yeah BYU plays better if those two guys play in this game. But I honestly I don't think it would have made that much of a difference honestly. Well, I want to ask you about the two guys that were missing on offense as well, the impact that that may have had on Jaron Hall and company. But from cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts, and it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who does things like, you know, buys gas, gets groceries, or dines out from time to time. I've done all those three things this week. That's why I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. To get started, download the free Upside app. Use my promo code LOCKED and get $5 more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business pay as usual the credit card or debit card and then you get paid it is that easy upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week that's why probably they have a 4.8 star rating on the app store download the free upside app use promo code lock to get five dollars more cash back on your first purchase of ten dollars or more that's five dollars or more cash back on your first purchase of ten dollars or more using promo code lock We continue here with Jake Hatch of Locked On BYU Cougars. The two receivers, uh, Gunnar Romney, a uh, distant relative of Tug Romney, uh, of course, and uh, and and Puka Nakua, neither of them played and was really good in this game. And that made me happy because I've been really high on him here on the show. And he made me look at least semi-intelligent for, 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 for one week, you know, until next week and I'll come back down to earth and such and Oregon fans will just have to deal with it. But he was really, really good. But the other corner was a little bit more exploitable with BYU's top option. And then Gonzo kind of went man, a man with him and, and was following him around the field. And that proved to be a smart defensive shift. How much impact do you think those two receivers might have had on the offense from a scoring and output perspective, if if even one of them had been able to go and been a legitimate number two option that Jaron Hall knows and trusts. Well, I think if if either one, yeah, like you said one of the two of uh, Puka or Gunner playing this game, I think it's good for maybe a score or two more, but that doesn't, that doesn't say that, that BYU wins this game by any means. You're right. 
I really feel like Oregon, they made great adjustments. Christian Gonzalez comes over, and yeah, he started shading Chase Roberts, who was BYU's top option in this game. And credit to them. Their adjustments in this game were phenomenal, along with just the overall scheme in this matchup. BYU tried to take advantage of what they could. And Jaron Hall, uh, the one real positive I took away from this game for BYU was Jaron Hall showing off his NFL caliber arm. He was making throws all over the football field, but they kind of had to in this game. They They were so far down, you have to throw the football. And he was making phenomenal throws after phenomenal throw and it allowed BYU fans to see some of their younger guys, guy by the name of Cody Epps, uh, the number zero. He had that touchdown reception uh, late in that game. He uh, That was his first real extensive action. The BYU fans have been able to see him uh, play for the Cougars. So I'd like to say that they would give BYU maybe seven to ten points more, but in that case, okay, it's 41 to – 41 to 30, it's still a win for Oregon. I, I don't think that either one of those receivers comes in and immediately BYU's a juggernaut that goes out there and goes toe-to-toe in this matchup. I, I just think that Oregon ruled the day on this one. BYU got, like I said, punched in the mouth and never really recovered from that. Yeah, I was really pleased with Oregon's defense. I think it's the best they've looked since probably 2019 uh, overall. And I don't – yeah. Uh, let me interject that Dan Lanning, he's starting to put his imprint on this defense. Tosh Lupoy, the defensive coordinator, they're really starting to kind of sink their hooks into their guys. And you can start to, you're starting to see it. I just, from my, uh, my perspective, you're starting to see Oregon really understand the system, start to buy into it. It's really starting to settle in. And you're right. They looked lights out on that, especially on that defensive front. They made life miserable for BYU's vaunted run game. Yeah, he didn't get a lot of stats, but Casey Rogers, number 98, was blowing up a lot of plays. That fourth down stop on the run where Dorless gets the TFL, Casey mm-hmm. Rogers gets the credit for that. And that's just life as a defensive tackle, right? You're not going to get the the stats all the time, and you have to get the call-outs. That's, that's, why, that's why people like us got to be aware, right? We got to be able to give the big fellows their, their due credit. There's no stats for offensive line play either, but all that matters. And we got to, you know, one of my oldest friends was an offensive lineman when he played football through high school. So, you know, I, I've always got that. That inclination of like, hey, don't forget the big fellas because that's you know ultimately where the game where the game is won. Well, and we t- I talk about it all the time on my show. These guys they toil. I use the term they toil in anonymity. You do, they don't people don't know their name right off the bat because the linebacker, if you're a nose tackle, gets the glory because they, yeah they made that they made that tackle or they made the sack, but you were the one that actually blew up the place. So you're right, Casey Rogers lights out. Uh, BYU's interior offensive line I thought was going to be a strength in this matchup. Sure didn't look that way on Saturday. Running the ball, I think that's true, but Jaron Hall was still only sacked one time, and it was a coverage sack. It was not a pressure sack. Jordan Riley had his first career as a member of the Ducks coming over with Tony Tuioti from uh, Nebraska this offseason, but that was the only time he was really under pressure, and that was a concern for me going Mm -hmm. in, and I think that that came to fruition, but what didn't was the downside for Oregon in that sense. Like, as troublesome as the number two corner position looks for Oregon right now. I mean, the first play of the game, you talk about Jaron Hall showing the off at the, the NFL arm delivers this back shoulder, 35 yard strike down the field. I'm like, wow. Okay. That's one, that's one way to start a football game. And then the drive fizzles out with what was, I'm sure you'd agree some questionable play calling from Cougars. I mean, you got fourth and seven, you throw the ball five yards behind the line of scrimmage. I don't, I I understand the run on third and 10. I, I, I understand that. You know, I mean, not as much because you have Jaron Hall, but again, I get what they're going for there. DJ Johnson stopped it from being maybe a six yard pickup and whatnot, but fourth and seven behind the line of scrimmage. I was like, okay, well, 
go to the sticks that yeah trust me you're, you're just you're, you're saying exactly what BYU fans were saying especially that first drive there was some questionable play calling across the board in this game for BYU but yeah the, the thing about it is BYU's offensive line pass protection wise very very good run game wise whoo they got they got they got a lot to work on yeah and I was really really pleased with how Oregon's defensive front held up there DJ Johnson had an awesome game setting the edge and you were talking about Dan Lanning starting to put his imprint on on the defense and Tosh Lupoy as well. And I completely agree because even compared to the Eastern Washington game, I think that's the best defensive game Oregon's played this year by by a lot, right? Yeah, they ended up allowing more points than they did to the Eagles, but that's a far inferior opponent. And BYU, you know, had, had a couple of, I, I won't say fully garbage time touchdowns because they mounted some semblance of, of a comeback where, you know, I it had my attention and Oregon had to go on a, a big long drive and such. But 38-7 through through three quarters was a pretty dominant defensive showing, and I was really, really pleased with that. I thought they played good assignment football. I thought they were disciplined. They, I don't think, allowed outside contain to be broken on a single running play. And those are the sorts of things that were missing a year ago and also getting off the field. And I thought third down would be really key going into this matchup. Oregon lost third down, but they won fourth down, which is – arguably more more important and the offense executed in key moments when they needed to but what did you make of BYU's uh, decisions to go for it on, on fourth down four times and and the play calls in those situations because I watched them and I you know thought BYU maybe had a chance and I, Oregon was just in the right place they were there when, when they needed to and, and made plays well, Oregon, they they stunted, they they blitzed into these things. They 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 knew the tendencies for BYU going into this matchup very well. They they studied the tape well. I will give them credit on that front. Uh, BYU, Kalani Satake has been traditionally very aggressive and going for it on fourth down when he feels like I, my team should be able to get this. And the play calling on a couple of them, yeah, I, I have my druthers with the actual play call, the play design on some of them. But I don't uh, fault BYU for doing it because that's just been Kalani's mo. He's actually been a guy who he talks about all the time that he actually has to have some of his coaches every so often say Kalani you got to kick this one away don't don't go for it here because he is a guy that he loves retaining possession and he sees fourth down as an opportunity to retain possession if he feels like he has the advantage he has the momentum you can guarantee Kalani's going to go for it yeah and that's that was a really big thing for Oregon to win because defensively I think you set a tone there with, yeah. with with that initial stop, right? Questionable play call from an, an actual, you know, play that is sent in. Mm -hmm. Whether that's the case or not, you get that stop and Bennett Williams sets the edge like I was talking about, right? He didn't make the tackle. A couple other Oregon guys did. But if he darts inside, tries to make the play, maybe he does get outside and have a chance to lunge for, for a first down there. And, and that was, I think, really, really big for, for Oregon's defense. I expected BYU without Popo Amavai in there for the Ducks, reigning first-team All-Pac-12 performer who hasn't played this year and unfortunately out for the season. He was going to be a starter. He would be a starter right now, so Oregon was missing that and will be for uh, the rest of the year, unfortunately. But that left me thinking, like, boy, it kind of seems like BYU is not going to get away from uh, the run because historically they haven't, and it feels like they might be able to have some success there. But guys like Casey Rogers stepped up in, in a big way. What did you see from, from BYU's rushing attack that kind of left you wanting more? And do you feel like the offensive line was just outmatched, or did you feel that it was a scheme issue, or what did you see? Well, the biggest thing is BYU got so far down so quickly, they kind of had to abandon the run, especially in that second half. So 
trying to get a full evaluation of their run game in this game almost feels incomplete in a way. I actually th thought in the first quarter they were actually going pretty well. BYU's traditionally been a team in the first quarter. They'll kind of fill out an opponent, especially in the run game, figure out what's working for them. And then as the game goes on, especially last year with BYU's run game, as the game wore on, all of a sudden, what was two and three yard carries, which we saw in the first quarter against Oregon, became five and six and seven yard carries in the third and fourth quarters. That was kind of how BYU went about things a year ago. When they got just kind of snowballed that avalanche coming downhill at them and they were so far behind, they kind of had to abandon all that. But I will also say, I, what I saw, and I, I go back every every game and rewatch the tape. I call them film review Mondays on Locked On Cougars, where I kind of talk about what I saw after a second viewing of the game. I saw adjustments by Oregon in the second quarter in particular. I'm not sure if it was Tosh Lupoy or Coach Lanning or whoever point, uh, making the adjustment, but all of a sudden I saw start to I started to see Oregon start to load the box more, saying, "Okay, we are going to trust Christian Gonzalez and the rest of the secondary here. We've got the speed on the outside. We feel like to hang with BYU's receivers and tight ends. We're going to put seven and eight men in the box and force BYU to beat us. If they're if they're going to be intent on running the football, we're going to load the box. And it didn't happen every single time in BYU, but the, it didn't happen every time that they did load the box, but it seemed like they made a more intense focus on stopping BYU's rushing attack. And you saw it kind of hit the skids for the Cougars offensively. I, I think that BYU is still trying to figure out what they're doing with some of the running back uh, rotations with uh, Christopher Brooks, the Cal transfer, who's their starter. And then Lopini Katoa trying to find out how to best utilize them because Neither one of them are what Tyler Algier was a year ago for BYU. But at the same time, that offensive line, they struggled to open holes, especially in that second quarter. That's traditionally when BYU starts to really figure out what they're doing. And I got to give credit to what Oregon did because it seemed like they brought more guys into the box. They started stunting into what that outside zone, inside zone running scheme that BYU likes to run. They started stunting into it, and it made life miserable for BYU's offensive line. So, yeah, there, there's part of it that feels like, okay, they're so far down that getting a full evaluation of it is not going to come from a game like that. But at the same time, at least in the first two quarters, I saw a decent first quarter. And then the second quarter, Oregon, to their credit, I thought made great adjustments and made life miserable for the run game. Did you feel like there was a point in the game that, that really started to allow things to, to snowball? Because Vegas had this as a three and a half point spread. Yeah. We all anticipated it being a close matchup and it wasn't. And, and that happens from time to time, but that doesn't necessarily mean that if these teams played 10 times, you'd see that sort of result, right? Even, even if you played 10 times yeah. on that field, it wouldn't be 38, seven through three quarters and 41, 20 final 10 times, right? There are some cases where that's true, right? If Oregon does what they should this year, go into Boulder, hopefully blow out, Colorado that's going to happen if those two teams play eight to ten times but the missed field goal early the stop on fourth down on the initial drive were those critical moments in your eyes that made you feel like boy now this thing could get out of hand because the defense is going to stop the Oregon offense you brought up the sequence. I thought that was the quote unquote backbreaker for BYU. The missed field goal, Jake Oldroyd. Now there's going to be a kicking competition in Provo, according to special teams coordinator Ed Lamb. He misses that field goal. Oregon gets the ball back and they drive right down the field, converting two fourth downs along the way, if you recall that drive, and then punch it in for that score to make it. I think it was, that was 24 7, if I, if I got my score right in my mind. 
I felt like that it was a 10 point swing. It felt like in many ways. Yeah. And that one right there, that was the backbreaker. I, I thought at that point, because Oregon comes out of halftime, gets the ball back, and you saw them drive right down the field once again. I felt like at that point, things were really snowballing for BYU because they had given up that score just before halftime. Had BYU been able to get off the field on either one of those fourth downs on that drive, I think the BYU may have been like, okay, we got to stop. We can regain some of our composure, get to the locker room, and see if we can get things sorted out here. But when you go down, score that touchdown, after missing that field goal, I felt like at that point it broke BYU's spirit. Yeah, it, it seemed to me, and look, it, it did seem like Oregon was the – better team throughout i'm not suggesting if you play 10 times byu would actually win five you know i I thought that going in for sure but i I think oregon's a better team more often than not at least from from what we saw i just don't think they they necessarily blow them out because it did come down to like i talked about going into it execution in key moments and the three areas that i looked at were were third down special teams and red zone oregon was perfect in the red zone BYU didn't get there as often as they they wanted to, right? Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't third down, it was, but rather it was fourth down where Oregon, you know, converted up 17-7 on their own, what was it, 31-yard line? Yeah. I, I mean, it's a gutsy call from, from Dan Lanning. And then you go fourth and two, you hand it off to a true freshman who's got to, you know, slip half a tackle there to, to get past the sticks. I think those are real pivot points in the game. I think Oregon still wins, but I think that would have, you know, certainly – made it a lot closer. Yeah. Oh, and How that, you, that, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, as you say, that right there, what you described, the it gave the confidence to Oregon when they converted those fourth downs. Like, you know what? We're unstoppable at this point. And I, I truly think that drive right there, was, if you want to single out a moment that broke BYU in this game, that just broke their spirit and said, you know what? This ain't our day. That drive, I think it truly was. the, the That was the moment in the game where I was like, okay, yeah, this is done. Yeah, you go down, you throw a touchdown to my man Terrence Ferguson, another guy who's you know one of my two of three correct takes out of like seventy five that I've had here on uh, on, on the show that that he's uh, really good. But four touchdowns in the last couple of weeks for for, for the Ducks tight end. But between seventeen ten going into the half, maybe in Oregon getting the ball, or even twenty to ten, I, I think right. If if yeah. BYU makes a field goal, Oregon goes down maybe has to settle for three because they have a longer field to to work with there. And they're up 2010 going into the half come out. That's a different field than 24 seven Oregon getting ball, getting the ball coming out of the half. Yeah. And that, that right there, it, you're right. If, if BYU, they were trying to stay within uh touching distance of Oregon 17 10 they get those they get those three points there that's a one score ball game I think BYU feels a lot better about how the the game started the way things were going they had felt a lot better about themselves but you missed that field goal obviously Jake Oldroyd it's causing all kinds of consternation down here in Provo now that he's uh, missed kicks in the last two games like I said it's an open kicking competition it sounds like this week in practice but at that point when Oregon goes down there converts the two fourth downs yeah it's just that singular moment, I we we talked. You and I talked about this. You you felt like execution in critical moments. That drive, those two fourth downs, getting that touchdown. Those are critical moments that Oregon thrived in. BYU did not thrive at all. It felt like in any of those critical moments for the for the most part on Saturday. How do you feel about BYU going forward? Because Oregon, in the grand scheme of things, of course, would love it if BYU, you know, ended the year eleven and one, and they could say, "Hey, look, we've got eleven and one." win on on the resume and such but you know one week at a time washington state coming up uh this week for for the ducks and byu i believe has a little bit of an easier foe if i'm not mistaken 
Yeah, we got Wyoming coming up on Saturday. They're coming to Provo. The BYU's got an interesting stretch here, uh, Spencer. They've got uh, they've got back-to-back home games. So they go Wyoming Saturday. Then they turn around and actually play a Thursday night game at, against their in-state rival, Utah State. Now, both Wyoming and Utah State look like very winnable games for BYU on paper right now. But it's going to be very important for BYU to respond because after those two games, they got, they got 10 days to get ready for the showdown against uh, Notre Dame in Las Vegas on October 8th. So... Uh, yeah, the, the thing is, I think BYU is going to be okay, and they should be able to use these two games to hopefully right the ship and get things figured out. And going into October, they should be four and one. That that is the expectation. They didn't fall outside the top twenty. They win these next two games. They're probably sitting, I would imagine, somewhere around fifteen to sixteen in the national polls going into that matchup with Notre Dame. Notre Dame looks infinitely more beatable right now than we thought going into the season, especially losing Tyler Buckner, their starting quarterback. So there is some thought that BYU could find themselves, despite the wobble they had against against Oregon here, they could find themselves rolling in, uh, at five and one when Arkansas comes to town on October fifteenth, and suddenly the good times are feeling a little bit better. It, it, that would I think for BYU fans screen to them that, Hey, Oregon, more of just, it was just a bad day. Team maybe got out over their skis a little bit and got punched in the mouth and didn't respond right, but they've recovered nicely. And you're right. Oregon would like to have that win on their belt against what would be considered a very good BYU team. And I think if things go the way that I think they can go for BYU over the next three to four weeks here, Oregon fans should be thinking, okay, that's going to be a very, very solid win for us at the end of the year. Yeah, hopefully it just continues to look better for the Ducks as the year goes on. Duck fans, show love for our man Jake Hatch, host of Locked On at BYU Cougars. By the way, all the BYU fans in uh, the YouTube comments been nothing but love on the channel, so we reciprocate that feeling and and, and send it the other way. Nothing but, but good vibes here, Jake. Great to talk to you, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Happy to do it anytime, Spencer. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and as always, go Ducks.